Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Well, I've been excited to preach through uh, the Advent, but I, I, before I start preaching on, on love, I want to just encourage you, invite as many people as you can to Christmas Eve. It's going to be a fantastic evening. Um, if you have kids, grandkids, whatever your sphere of influence is, bring them along. We're going to pack this place out and just have a great time uh, remembering who, what Christmas is all about. And uh, afterwards, we have s'mores and all the, the, the goodies that come along with that. We're going to have a great time with kids on stage, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. So please, make Christmas Eve a family tradition to come to Journey and celebrate and then go back and and uh, just have a great time getting ready for the next morning. We've talked about uh, all the different aspects of the Advent, and, and it's been a lot of fun. I've never done that as a pastor, and it's been a lot of fun to do that. And so this week, we're going to focus on the idea of love. And one of the challenges as a pastor of talking about love is we talk about it all the time. So uh, it's, it's a little difficult, it's a little complicated to talk about, mostly because it's become cliché. Cliche is to say, I love you. And, uh, and, and, and we you know, kind of say that on your way out, I love you. And uh, we, we mean that. But what does it mean? You know, does it mean like I love ice cream? Like I love you. You know, as long as you taste good, I'm okay. You know, is that, is that what that kind of means? Or, you know, I love big trucks. That's me. That's Ricardo. I love big trucks. But does that love correlate to my wife? Hopefully not, you know. I love Mexican food. Now, that one is really close to my wife, <laughs> okay. I love the shirt you have on. Um, we say those things, and we say I love pretty flippantly. I, my daughter said the other day, uh, I was wearing this sweatshirt, and she said, I love that sweater. I said, hold on, that's not a sweater. It's a sweatshirt. It's not a blouse. It's a sweatshirt. That's a man thing, <clears throat> I love those pants you have on. You hear ladies say that all the time. Men, we, we really don't say that very often. <laughs> hey, nice pants. <laughs> no. That's, that's, <laughs> we don't say those kinds of things very often. Um, I love you. I think that that phrase takes on meaning when we understand what Jesus has done for us. It takes on a whole new depth. It takes on a whole new emotion. I start tearing up when I think of Jesus saying, I love you. There's not a better phrase I would want to hear from anyone than for Jesus to just simply say, I love you. And it, it has been said has been said, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That means that he said, before we ever accepted him as our Lord, I love you. And he did it not through words, not just through words, but through action. He died for you and for me. And if you're here today and you're feeling unloved, if you're here today and you don't know if you're loved, if you're here today and you've come in with uh, tension in a relationship or relationships or you don't have any relationships and you're kind of going, what is going on here? I don't feel loved. 
There's one person that loves you, and the Bible says that you can't even be separated from his love, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And I love what the Bible tells us is that Jesus' motivation, God's motivation for sending his son Jesus Christ to to come to this earth and to die for us was because of love. You see, most human motivations for love are often selfish. There's often a motive behind the expression of love, right? If I will love you as you love, as you meet my needs. Or I'll love you because I need you to meet my needs. And that, that happens in marriage relationships, that happens in work relationships, that happens in all kinds of different relationships. But as long as you meet my needs, I'll love you. It's a conditional love. But with God, it's not. It's, there's no condition. Especially because he loved us first. He loved us before we loved him. You know, we find, we, we find all kinds of motivations for love. I love that you have money. Therefore, I love you. I find you attractive. Therefore, I love you. And when those things change, the love falls apart and the love goes away. And I love you because we get along so well. And then when we don't get along... There's, we kind of look at it as that's not love. But what's interesting about Jesus is that it didn't matter if we were getting along with him. The only thing that mattered is that he loved us. The only thing that mattered is that his love went so deep is that he was willing to do whatever it took to fix what was broken. And I think that's amazing. We already read... Uh, Danielle and, and Mario already read the scripture, John 3, 16 and 17, probably the most read, quoted, misunderstood passages of scripture of all. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There's some really important parts of this passage. And number one is to understand that his motivation for coming to this earth, his motivation for coming here was only love. He loves you and me so much that he came. That's why he came. For God so loved the world that, that if, if you underline your Bible, if you're looking in your Bible, if you have your Bible app, Highlight the word that because that means that there's a reason. For God so loved the world that the motivation of the reason he sent his son, he gave his one and only son, was because he loved us. That's critical, that's powerful, that's important for all of us to understand that God, <laughs> excuse me, moved first. To love us. He, 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 his only motivation was that he, gave, he loved us so much that he would give his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That, that is so important. And if we would embrace the that, we would embrace the experience that we get when we understand that Jesus came to die for us. And if we put our faith in him, we have eternal life. We avoid the perishing. We avoid the wrath of God to experience the love of God. And that's so critical and important. It's a lesson to learn for all of our relationships. 
that he moved first. That he was the one who initiated the relationship that was broken. You and I were in our sin broken and the, the relationship was severed. It was broken, but he said, that's not acceptable. I won't allow that to happen. And what happens in our relationships when we're mad at our, our spouse or we're mad at a friend or we're mad at a coworker, we stay away from them. What did Jesus do? He gave up heaven to come to earth to be close to us. To do whatever it took to become the, the, the healing part of the relationship rather than the broken part of it. You guys, this is so important as we learn in our relationships that if you have a broken relationship, it is important that you move first. Why? Because Jesus moved first. Jesus moved first. He came to save the world. How so? By coming and dying for us. His intent was because of the love that he had for us that he could not give up on us. Instead, he moved first to love us and repair the relationship. There's a song by Casting Crowns. It's called <clears throat> Love Move First. And I'm going to play it for you and the words are going to be on the screen. And here's what I want you to understand. Put yourself in this song. Put yourself in the words of this song. Put yourself in the meaning of this song because it's so powerful. When I first heard it, I was weeping in my car. I was just crying my eyes out because I realized... In Ricardo's life, God moved first. It wasn't Ricardo chasing after God. It was God chasing after Ricardo. And I couldn't ask for a more loving, caring, involved, powerful, get-in-my-face God than the God who moved first. Go ahead. This is the story of a runaway with no way home and no way out. I threw the best of me away. I had my chance. It's too late now. Too far gone and too ashamed to think that you'd still know my name. But love refused to let my story in that way.
Just by where I stand, your cross is the proof The love made the first move about you I'm so grateful that he moved first if we look at Christmas and we see Jesus in a manger we must realize that Jesus is the one who moved first that he's the one that initiated this redemption process this taking our life back and and taking what was broken and taking what was sinful and taking what was messed up and fixing it. And today we have a privilege of understanding that he moved first, that he loves us so much that he sent his son out of that motivation, out of that heart. And so then what do we do with that love? What do we do with that experience, that expression that we feel and know and sense? First of all, we accept it, we receive it. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, but today you're realizing that you are the apple of God's eye. You are the one who he loves so much that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, then today you need to receive that love and embrace it and hold on to it and never let it go because he will never let you go. He will never let you go. Yeah, amen. The other side of this coin is not only that he loves us, but what do we do with the love that we've received? In 1 John 4, 7, it says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. In verse 9, it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Looking back at this just a little bit, in that single passage, the word love is stated 13 times. 13 times. There's a point that the author John is trying to make. Inspired by God to write this part of the Bible. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. In other words, the only way we can know love is to know God. And it's not know like, hey, I, how are you? This is like embraced, held on to, experienced, understand the depth of God's love for you, understanding that he moved first 
And it's this kind of love that we are experiencing and and receiving into our lives. And it's a personal relationship with him. And when we get to, to the point where we make it personal, and it's every day we wake up and say, hello, good morning, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. That's when we know God. And when we know him like that, then we're able to love others. Whoever does not love does not know or have a personal relationship because God is love. There's nothing else that can come out of us except love when we love him and we experience his love. The true nature of a believer is love. If God has truly influenced us and is truly working in us, and it doesn't mean we're perfect, it just means that our first instinct, the instinct that comes out of us is to love others. Why? Because that's the way Jesus responds. That's the way he responds to people. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He initiated, he moved first. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He moved first and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. Dear friends, since God loved so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The, the obligation, if you will, or the instinct should become that if Jesus is living in us, then out of us should become that same expression he expressed to us. My question is, are you loving? Are you loving? 1 John four sixteen says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. That's just the natural part of a relationship with the God that loves us so much that he sent his son. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. That means that out of us should become the nature of who Jesus is. He is love. He expressed his love by dying for us, by sacrificing himself for us. Are we sacrificing ourselves for the ones we love? Or are we asking them to sacrifice and conditionally say, if you give, I'll give. If you love, I'll love. If you meet my needs, I'll meet your needs. Is that, that doesn't sound like Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'll meet your needs. I'll love you regardless of what happens. Uh, While you're in your sin, I'll love you. And I'll show you that love by sacrificing myself for you. That's love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. It's interesting. I remember my dad coming home. And while my brother and I and my mom were together, there was this peace, this joy that happened. But when my dad showed up, it was like, (gasps) there's this tension that entered the room. This fear 
that was always based on, are you doing it right? Are you doing the right thing? Are you making the right sounds? Are you making the right noises? Or are you, are you not making the right sounds? Or the, or the noises he doesn't like? Or, you know, this fear of, of, of walking in the room. When he walked in the room, it changed the atmosphere. And I'm not trying to dishonor my dad. I'm just saying this is the way it was for a while in our lives, is that there was this fear. So he would instantly get angry or stop making that noise. Or, you know, every little thing was something's wrong. And we feared punishment. If you have a family like that, you are not expressing the love of God. I'm just being real. Guys, especially, we got to get over our anger, get over our frustration, and walk in with the love of Jesus for our family. Because it's not about you. It's about loving your family. It's about loving and bringing love into that family. And love drives out fear. It doesn't hurt to discipline our children as long as they're being disciplined in love for the sake of love. But when they start fearing us and when they start shutting down because they're afraid of us, that's not good. That's not healthy. There's nothing positive there. And what Jesus is showing us and what this passage is showing us is that there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. In other words, our families go, oh, he's home. She's home. And there's joy in that moment. And that's what Jesus wants to see in our lives. The beauty is that God defines love as the sacrifice that we make, not the demands. Not the fear that we create. Verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. In other words, if I don't know God, then I'm going to have a hard time expressing that love to him or to anyone else. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Wow. Wow. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. In this passage of Scripture, from John, 1 John 4, 16, all the way to verse 21, again, he mentions love 13 times. 26 times in this short chapter, John says love. The word love there, the Greek word is agape. It means unconditional Without any conditions, it's love. We love each other without condition. That's the kind of love that Jesus expresses to you and to me. That's the expression that he gave when he came to this planet, when he left heaven and came in this lowly manger. It's become kind of a, a, a little a cute little model of a manger and a baby in there, and it's really cute and it's awesome, but think about what he did to get there. He said, heaven isn't more important than my love for my people. Where I am, the commander of the universe, is not more important than loving my people and doing whatever it takes to make the relationship right. That's what is important. And that's the kind of love that he has expressed to you and to me. And that's the kind of love that he's commanding us. 
And he gave us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. That's everybody. That's all, all the human race. That's you and me. That's not just your brother in blood, but that's your brother and sister in humanity. And so we are given the command to love. Why? Because we've first been loved. Honestly, honestly, if I did not know Jesus' love, I would have a hard time loving. I really would. I, if he wasn't in me and his spirit wasn't moving through me, my selfish nature, my Ricardo self, would be all about himself, would all, be all about myself. And I'm not bragging or saying anything prideful. I'm just saying, and, and especially that, because uh, it, there's no pride in myself. I'm a selfish individual without Jesus. But with him and him inside of me and his spirit in me, I love people. I genuinely love people. I love you. I care about the people around me. I weep for the people on the street corners. I weep for the people in their homes today that don't know Jesus and are, are living a comfortable life, but they don't understand that their life is, is headed towards a direction and a destiny and eternally that is tragic and that is awful. And we must love them beyond measure so that they can understand who Jesus is. It's not about our love for them. It's about the, the love that Jesus has for them. We love because he first loved us. God loves you more than we will ever realize. He moved first. I hope that you'll go home and you'll listen to this song over and over again. I have it on my playlist, my favorite playlist, and I, I listen to it often because I just am amazed at how he moved first. I love that one part in the song where he reaches into the cell and, and grabs the hand and pulls him out. Who would do that? The song asks the question. Jesus would. He doesn't care where you're at. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care what's going on in your life. He loves you so much. He'll, he'll reach down into the mud, into the muck, into the mire of our lives so that we can experience salvation and redemption and hope and peace. And that's the Jesus that we serve. Yeah. God loves you more than you'll realize. Time with God will increase your ability to love. It says that if we know him, then we can love. We're incapable of genuine love without God's love in us. And so we have to genuinely love him and experience his love so that we can genuinely express it to others. We must initiate like he initiated. We must move first. My prayer and my desire is to see this building full time and time again. Why? Not, not for the sake of a big church, not for the sake of a mega work, a title or anything like that, but because you and I have a compassion that's so deep inside of us because of what Jesus has done in us that we can do nothing more than invite those in to a relationship with Jesus and see our church grow because we've reached out to those that don't have Jesus. We must move first. If God is in us, then his love will flow out of us.
into a lost and dying world. And most importantly, what this passage is saying is that we must love each other. That's what makes us different. That's what sets us apart. Is a culture of love, a culture of love, of acceptance of diversity, acceptance of everybody in this room, a love for people that aren't like us. But because Jesus loved us, we're able to love each other. Amen? Let me pray with you today. God, thank you so much for almost 40 years ago having someone love me. Actually, all my life, you've sent people into my life that have shown your love and you've, you've just continued to remind me that you're present and that you were there. And Lord, here I am amazed at your love. And I pray that everybody in this room, all of us, would experience that love so deeply, so powerfully, so extremely, that we would do nothing but be motivated by the same love you've given us to love others. Lord, if there's somebody that walked in this building today that isn't feeling loved, I pray that they experience your love today, helping them know that you died for them, that you gave your heart for them. You did everything to give them hope and encouragement and strength and salvation. And I pray in the name of Jesus that they would experience your love today through us, by your Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray for your love to flow through this room into every heart and every mind and every spirit. For the discouraged, I pray that you be the lifter of their heads. For the addict, I pray that you be the deliverer to set them free. For the broken, I pray that you put them back together. For the lost, I pray that they would be found. I pray, God, that you would give hope to the hopeless. For the depressed, that you, Lord, would open the door of peace into their lives. For the anxious, I pray that you would carry their weight. Father, that's how much you love us. And I pray that you bless every heart today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for your love. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your motivation of love to come and redeem humanity. We love you, Jesus. We love you with our whole heart. We love you with our whole soul. And we give you everything. Maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ and his love for you. I just want to invite you right now to pray this simple prayer. He loves you. He died on the cross for you so that you can have the hope of eternal life. And right now you can accept him as your Lord and Savior. And all you have to do is say this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of the mistakes I've made. Thank you for loving me so much that you would die on a cross so that my sins could be forgiven and so that I would not perish, but that I would have everlasting life. I accept your forgiveness today. And I believe that you were raised from the dead and today you live eternally in heaven and I will live eternally with you. I accept that gift of eternal life and I thank you for it and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life I will turn from my sins I repent today of my sins and I will turn from them and walk towards you Jesus and I commit that in Jesus name 
amen and amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.